Junior Doctors Corner, the podcast that helps medical students and junior doctors like yourself not only survive but thrive in your careers. We cover topics including doctor well-being, career, and life outside of medicine. My name is Dana and I am your host for this podcast. Are you ready for a healthy dose of support, motivation, and inspiration? Then let's start this episode stat. Hello and welcome back to the second part of our interview with Dr. Eric Richman and his lovely partner, Leah Costello. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, it was released last week, so go back to that episode and have a listen, otherwise this part won't make any sense, uh, initially anyway. Let's jump right into it. Can we come back to the point that you talked about um, this, I think it was the second challenge that you named, um, where there are, you know, tough days for doctors. Did you guys come up with any system sort of more in terms of supporting Leah when those situations do come up, you know, sort of to at least maybe for you, Eric, you might not want to talk about it, but have some kind of safe word or something for Leah to know, oh, okay, it might be that sort of day where it's just the hospital politics that you're frustrated about. There is a degree of, I'm going to give you a ranging shot. I'm going to tell you broadly where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, bad case versus bad politics versus, um, and now I can just say I had to sort the too hard basket. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone who's worked in emergency medicine and knows the reality of short stay is it becomes a too hard basket, and that's not anything against people who put patients in short stay overnight. That's what it's there for. There are those patients that are just undifferentiated. We just don't know. Um, and so it becomes difficult when you've got all of those patients in short stay and it, you've just got to sort the too hard basket. Um, so there is that, that shorthand. One of the things that we both are distinctly interested in is a degree of physical fitness and and um so what we will often do although in the middle of uh summer in brisbane this is more difficult but is going for a walk and not necessarily talking often by the end of an hour of walking you are talking but not having that expectation that something would be said right. and as long as we have a a broad idea of where we're going um we generally use our walks for two purposes, it's either to just, like, get out of the house and, in a sense, kind of escape the day, or we use our walks to nut out whatever challenges we've got going on with whatever it may be in our life. so... It's hard to get snarky at someone when you're out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, um, Leah and I are both very strong personalities. It is who we are. We are both very strong. We're very independent people. And we have very forceful personalities, and when those two clash over anything, it becomes difficult to find that middle ground and to find that that um, that way forward. And I think if you sit there in an enclosed space, it can really build up. But if you get out and, like I said, you get a bit short breath, it does actually become physically difficult to raise your voice, <laughs> and that does help. Um, so uh, we do use that. There has been a lot of very declarative statements that we've had to make to each other and to say, it hurts when you do this. Mm -hmm. I like it when you do that. I have 
you know, when this thing occurs, I feel like that, which feels very instruction manually. They're very declarative statements, but over time, um, provided you're in a relationship where the other person genuinely wants to do what's right for the relationship, then that becomes a very strong thing. And if the other person in the relationship genuinely doesn't want to benefit the relationship, there's a very simple solution for that. You shouldn't be in a relationship mm-hmm. with that person. Um, if both of you are not keenly interested in that relationship going forward, growing and being better tomorrow than it was yesterday, then you all need to get out. There's nothing wrong with that. There's no requirement that you must stay with someone for the rest of your life. But you do need to both be committed to the idea that I am mad at you right now, but I understand if I do this thing, you're going to take that as way harder than I was intending. Um, I guess also like for you, Eric, we through a lot of clashing heads, I guess, we figured out that, yes, Eric needs time to process things that have happened at work and sometimes he comes home and it's like verbal vomit and it all comes spilling out and other times he just you want like half an hour to yourself to just let your brain cool and to process things and then you'll find me when you're ready so you know if he comes home from a day shift and I'm already home he's really good at just saying like babe I've had a really awful day and I just want a glass of wine and I'm just gonna sit my study and I just just don't want to talk about it. It took us a while to get there, but now he's really good at just saying, like, I just, I will find you when, you know, and he comes down his own time. Sometimes it's 20 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, but it's that opening statement the minute he comes over. He's like, I had a really bad day. I don't want to talk about it. I'm just going to sit in my study for a while, which is my cue to go, okay, you go. That's fine. I'm starving. I'm going to get dinner. Mm. It will be here when you're you're ready. So it took us a little while to get to that. And then when we learned that we actually, without saying what happened, mm. but just saying I've had a really bad day and mm. I just, I don't want anyone or anything, then I know that, you know, I need to leave him be for a bit. There's also other sort of cues. Like if he messages me during the day and he's like, I need a bag of Maltesers, I know the day is not going well. Um, <laughs> that, that is like his... His voice, his Maltesers. It's almost like a safe word. Yeah. <laughs> if he Maltesers. I can think of, of worse safe words. Yes. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the walking, but also, I guess, like, as Eric said, we're, we're very big into keeping fit and, and that physical exercise. And for us, you know, the gym, mm-hmm. lifting heavy things very fast or very high and putting them back down is, is our thing. And I know when Eric's had a really – not a bad day but a frustrating day at work because normally we take a couple of hours in the gym we try to go together even though our workouts are completely different but if he's had a really frustrated day it's headphones in talks to no one workout is done in half an hour because he just gets really angry and just picks everything up super fast and just he gets his workout done but afterwards he's like ah oh, that's better like I'm good now and he just needed that again just that half an hour to himself music heavy weights and then he's kind of it's like it would be like people that take their frustrations out on boxing bags, mm. like mm-hmm. similar kind of songs. But for him, he's just like, cool, yesterday I lifted 20 kilo dumbbells. Let's see if I can go for 35 today. Like, ridiculous. But, yeah, sure, babe. Like, <laughs> let's, let's see how you go. And usually you can pull it off. But I guess, you know, yeah, that's like for what I've learned about him, that's for him. But I guess like as a couple, 
the big ones for me, particularly that I know my takeaways when he, like I said, messages me in the middle of the day and can you get me bag more teasers? Or when he walks in the door and I can usually see it in his body language and his face as well. I was like, okay, we have not had a good day. And he's just like, I just, I'll be in my study and just, can you just give me half an hour? And But I know that he's had a really bad day, so. Which isn't to say that every day is a bad day. No, and, generally and it's not. Part of it also, and, and there is a flip side to this, which is that sometimes you come home and you feel pretty darn good. You've had a big day where big things have happened and you've, you're elated, you're energized and you come home and the flip side of this is, is a lot of this is focused kind of on, on my existence, my work existence, but everyone has good days and bad days. And then how do you deal with it if you've had a really, really good day and then you come home and Leah's not had a very good day for whatever reason. And there are challenges in fundraising that you just don't have in healthcare. There are challenges in life that we all have. And so it's also, that's just any relationship. Kind of, you've got you've to throttle your own emotion to the other person's emotion or you end up kind of, yeah, it is, it is an odd situation. It, it comes right back to communication and sometimes that communication needs to be phenomenally declarative. You just simply have to say, I am having this emotional state right now, which again, mm. you sound like Rain Man, but that's okay. You've just got to say it. And that's where I guess that would be like our advice too to, you know, anyone in the medical profession who's dating somebody non medical, because we generally don't understand without you going on a verbal diatribe with all these technical meetings, if you've had a really bad day, that's fine, we all have them. You know, as you said, it might sound like an instruction manual, but just saying something as simple as I've had a really bad day and I don't want to talk to anyone, and I'm just going to pour myself a glass of wine, I'm going to sit in my study, and can you just leave me alone for the next hour? That, you know, when you first did that to me, I got a little bit offended, but now, because we've <laughs> talked but because we've talked through that, and that's he's explained to me that he just needed that time to kind of process and just, you know, mull over the day, yeah. that's fine, because now instead of coming home and slamming doors and going mm. to study and locking it and me going, oh, my God, what did I do wrong, mm. I now know. Yeah. So as Eric said, even though it sounds very Rain Man-y, I at least now know, and I yeah. go, okay, that's bye. <laughs> and then often, you know, if I've gone out and I've hit the gym hard or I've come home and just had some time, I'm then able to re-engage with home life. Mm. Um, I've learned that on evening shifts, you don't come home and go straight to bed. You come home and, you know, you read or you yeah. watch whatever social media platform you want to watch or, or whatever. And you just 20 minute comedy on Netflix or just, something. You just let your brain cool down for yeah. a little bit. And yeah. then you come to bed and yeah, yeah it's midnight instead of 11.30 or it's 12.30 instead of 12, but that's okay. It, it is okay to just cool down a little bit. Um, so it's finding your way and it's communicating. Yeah. Hmm. So you guys have shared a lot of great advice, um, but is there anything else you'd like to add or give to young doctors on how to maintain relationships in a demanding career? Find your thing as a couple, hmm. I guess. That was something that we were actually talking about the other night. Like, you know, I have some friends out there and their couple thing is that every Sunday without fail they go hiking and they get up before dawn and they hike and they get on top of some mountain or some vantage point they watch the sunrise come out. But that is their thing. Um, you know, and that's everyone has their own, like, little couple vice, I guess. For us it's whenever we can wear big, 
I'm not going to say we're foodies, but we enjoy good food. Mm-hmm. We enjoy nice, lovely wine. And so, and we enjoy traveling in the sense of road trips. Mm. We're not big travelers in terms of going overseas or around the world, but, you know, if we can find a day off together because I'm away a lot of the time as well, like home, not home for eight months of the year. So any time that we now do have together is very precious. But if we have a day off together, we go, oh, my God, we have a day off together. It might be, you know, the hour-long trip out to Boona to a lavender farm where we just get a farmer's grazing platter and a really nice bottle of wine. And to us, we're just like, this is our thing. This mm-hmm. is just what we do to reconnect with each other, to reconnect with the world, to recharge the batteries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for each couple it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that, you know, find your thing. If if you geek out over Marvel movies, mm-hmm. do it. Go to gold class. Like, <laughs> you know, make it your date night where you make sure you see all the Marvel movies or you set up a movie marathon at home or whatever it is. Like just that's your thing and that's what – you do as a couple. So, I mean, that's, that's ours. Isn't I it? think it's a junior doctor. Everyone comes out of medical school and gets dumped into, this is the next seven to 10 years of your life, getting to specialty. And you have to plan ahead. There's a, there's a whole reality. You have to think about, I'm doing this for this six months and this for this six months. And if you don't do that, you end up spending more time as a resident. You end up spending more time as a registrar. And that's not a problem. But no resident wants to be a resident forever, and no registrar wants to be a registrar forever. So there's a degree of planning that needs to happen. And that, to a certain extent, feels like forever. The reality is it's a very small portion of your life, even if it's 10 years, which is a longish trip to specialty. 10 years is 12% of your life. Um, That's not a long time. And so that time is very difficult. It's very difficult on multiple levels, and um, I think every junior doctor just understands how difficult it is getting through that period. And in hindsight, it's not as bad as it is in foresight. Uh, facing up to it is harder than looking back on it, but that's true of most stresses. When you enter into a relationship, or even if you're already into a relationship, what you really have to do as a junior doctor is be really upfront and honest about what's involved. Uh, in, mm. in in my specialty, there are primary exams and there are fellowship exams. And the primary exam is a thousand hour exam. It's a thousand hours of study, and that's in addition to work. And if you do that over a year, that's twenty hours a week, every week, in addition to work. So your forty hour week becomes a sixty hour week. That's a lot, because that doesn't come out of your sleep time, although it, it often does. But that that's a lot, and a two thousand hour exam is. 40 hours a week every single week for a year. That's a full-time job in addition to a full-time job. And so it's all very simple to say this is a 1,000-hour exam or this is a 2,000-hour exam, but but you need to explain to someone, I'm going to get home, and that means if I'm going to fit 40 hours a week of study, that means that I am going to literally be sitting here for three hours after work every single day. And this is really boring to watch. (laughs) And, and no, I can't go out twice. Mm-hmm. I, I, we can go to a movie if you understand that you need to drive there so I can flash card on the way there. We're going to enjoy that movie. But then we need to go straight home because I need to study and I need some sleep. Mm-hmm. This is the reality. And it 
doesn't benefit most specialties to cut back on your clinical load to then study for your exams. This is often one of the traps that people fall into. They, they struggle in an exam, and we all struggle with exams, but struggle to the point where they don't get up. So they cut back the clinical load in order to have more time to study. It doesn't help because remember that your exams are in the specialty you're working in. And so, yes, work is not study, and yes, you need to study in addition to work, but work is also how you consolidate stuff. There is this period of time that occurs right before your primary exam in emergency medicine when somebody gets a laceration and you actually know everything they could have and could not have cut. You you, you literally know everything they could, and they see a little bit of things sticking out, and you know what that thing sticking out is. You forget that after a while, and now I look back and go, there's a thing sticking out. You know, <laughs> and, and there's a period of time coming up on your fellowship exam where you, you almost glow with knowledge, um, and you find your, that your academic acumen is off the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily make you a better doctor. Because you have to balance that with understanding where the patient is coming from and you have to balance that with the changing practice of medicine and balance that with, you know, experience and all of these things come together. But for a little while there, you can tell someone exactly what percentage likelihood each thing is. Um, and so cutting back your clinical load isn't an answer or is an answer, but it's not necessarily the right thing to do. But that means that your time for a relationship also is taken away. And and for most junior doctors, this is often the time, the age in your life where you're establishing lifelong relationships and you're having discussions around starting families Mm -hmm. and you're having discussions around all of that stuff. And even for people who aren't going to get pregnant, where they don't have to plan that part of their life, it is still a major life decision. It is still, how do you time that? Um, And as you add any other challenge into that, it gets harder. So um, I don't pretend to speak for members of groups that I'm not a member of, but if you're a woman trying to meet someone within the expectations of society, if you're the higher income earner and you're the more educated person and you're all of this, there are challenges in that as well. And society hasn't quite caught up to where it needs to be and where it's going. And so there are more challenges. And I, um, But even as a confident white man, there are real challenges in how you navigate those two together. So my real advice is be honest and be sometimes brutally honest about this. This is what I need to do. And if you can't, you know, if, if that's not going to work for you, then you deserve to know that right now and not find out later. Because um, it it's just that it's brutal. It's brutal. The study and, and is brutal. <laughs> and there, there are things that we can improve and there are things that each college is looking for to improve in the life. And, and we're working in the industrial space to improve the situation. All of these things are not where they need to be. Mm. But those conversations are happening. But you just need to know a lot. And that takes time. So uh, honesty and communication, which sounds very Dr. Phil-ish, it is unfortunately the right answer. I also, I guess I had to respect, you know, there was a period of two weeks where you were just like, I've taken two weeks off work. 
I need to study for my fellowships. You just need to. So I went back and lived with my dad because you were like, I cannot have you here. I just need. I'm literally waking up, sharing, studying, sleeping, repeat. So there's a framing of things and realizing that what you are saying. <clears throat> there's a book, Getting to Yes, that talks about negotiation skills. It's a very good read. And one of the things it talks about is it's not you against me about this. It's you and me against that. Mm-hmm. And it's externalizing the problem to the relationship. So if you frame it as I need to study and you need to get out of my way, that's you and me against mm-hmm. you and me, you against me mm-hmm. over that. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's we need me to get through this mm. because we don't want to go through this anymore. No. <laughs> so the way that we can support each other is for you to go away. So I just <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> There's no nice way to say to go away. No. There's no nice way to say go away. I need to study, but with that framing of yeah. this is you and me versus that, yeah. and unfortunately, this is how we are going to get through this. Yeah. Um, and, and do I wish that the system were different? Absolutely. If there was a better way to do it. But the academic requirements, as in the pure knowledge requirements, I think isn't the toxicity of medicine that we all are faced with. It is the workplace challenges. It is the social challenges. It is the, those issues that desperately need to change. And that discussion at the system level also exists at the relationship level. of, uh, And then also give permission to your partner to go, Oi, you need to put that down. You're not studying anymore. You're staring at the same page over and over again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or it's midnight, go to bed. Yeah. You'll do better on more sleep. I guess that's another valid point as well, just very quickly, is that us versus the universe point. And it's not just in terms of, you know, study or anything like that. It's across anything. It's always easier when you tackle it on, you know, any problem head on together and say, this is the problem we're facing. What can we do about it together? And even though it may be, you know, this is something that we're still nutting out now. Where I don't know where you're going yet, so I'm not going to commit. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, you know, I might have a problem, yeah. like me personally, yeah. and I'll tell Eric and Eric's like, no, 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 this is not your problem. This is our problem. Mm. We are in this right. together. Let's brainstorm together. Let's let's look at what we can do. So, you know, we, we did that with Eric studying. We went, okay, our problem is this fellowship exam. Mm-hmm. He really needs to get through it first time clean. And he was like, I need to study. And the business brain in me kicked in and I was like, cost-benefit ratio, what can we do here? And we quickly figured out that it was more beneficial for him to just sit and study and for me to basically be stepford wife. You know, I meal prepped all his meals for the next day. I did his laundry. I did because I just went, why would you waste – X number of hours on that when I can do that for you while you're up in your study doing flashcards or whatever it may be. And it was something that we came up together because he just went, I come home, I have to do this, I have to do laundry. And I just went, well, why don't I do that and take that off you so that you can basically come home, eat dinner, study, like, and I will do everything else so that you're not wasting Mm -hmm. 
for lack of a better term, um, doing that when you could be doing something more productive. But I guess that can come across anything in any part of your life, whether it's, you know, finances because, you know, he's fine but I've got a mountain of credit card debts. Like what can we do together to ease that? Like let's look at it as a cup. This is not a you versus Mm. this problem and I'm just standing on the side here. This Mm. is an us problem and what can we do? So I guess, you know, that's, that's another good thing, particularly when you're a non-medical person dating a medical person, you can kind of tackle problems a little bit head on. And sometimes it's nice to have that non-medical perspective to problems as well because I think sometimes, I know with you in particular, you get very caught up in the medical world of it all and sometimes I'm like, well, hang on, as an outsider, mm-hmm. what about, <laughs> have you looked at it this way? And sometimes it's just a different perspective and way of looking at it. So, All right, last question. Um, I always ask all my interviewees, but this one's a bit modified for you guys. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> because it's two persons to one. So please share one thing that's kept the two of you sane as a couple in your crazy busy lives. Oh, sane as a couple. The recharge. You mentioned before about getting out to somewhere and just setting up with some nibbles and a glass of wine and some, you know, light breezes coming across some grapevines or across some lavender or whatever. And it is really interesting that that we'll get out to somewhere for lunch. This is not a, you know, we don't travel that much, but to take a day and drive out. I think recently we went out to uh, a spice retreat Mm -hmm. and we just kind of set up Mm -hmm. And we sat down with a couple of chairs and a table and some food and just sat there and just recharged would be the only way to describe it. And that has, it is interesting because the effect of that lasts so much longer than the day. And you've, I found that, you know, a week out, I still have that, yeah, but it's okay to sit there and have some really good ham and just not be rushed for a little while so that and really that's a few hours out of your life it's not even a you know a getaway and recharge it's not even a a staycation or a vacation or anything like that it's it's lunch it's a long lunch but it's lunch and that's really become a a ritual of ours because we rarely have days together we have we don't even have have holidays together we have a day (laughs) and and so we make the most of it and even you know it's not a it's not an expensive thing to go out to lunch and to just drive somewhere and just say this is what we're doing today Uh, a whole lot of nothing Um, and then I, I can't stress enough the importance in any high stress profession nutrition and physical fitness um this is a marathon, not a sprint. You need to have the physical ability to um, to get through it. And as I'm sure you're aware, there's a recent blog post that actually went up in December but has hit everyone about a, a surgical trainee who went through hell. And when I read it, and I've read it a few times, my question wasn't, why did she break? My question is, how the hell did she last so long without that was breaking? the same thought. How yep. did she survive yep. that long in an environment that toxic? Yep. 
um, I would have broken long before her. Yeah. Long before. And I think the answer to that was if you read around that particular post is nutrition and physical fitness. And that coming into it, it, she was someone who had a real physiological control of her body. Mm. And when your body does what you want it to do, and it is predictable in those things, that you are able to tolerate more external challenges. Now, nobody, nobody should ever have to go through what she went through. Ever. Mm. And I think that it is hard to have discussions around things like resiliency when the problem is the challenge you have to be resilient to, not the resiliency itself. But even within that, looking after yourself, separate from saving the world from the system, but just looking after yourself, nutrition and physical fitness is phenomenally important. And Leah and I will certainly go out and eat food that is nutritionally not the best and really enjoy it. Now that is can a burger and beef. <laughs> but that's the exception, not the rule. Yeah. And that the vast majority of the time, we are very exacting mm-hmm. in what we eat. And um, that is partially because if you are physiologically better, you are more psychologically able to deal with the slings and arrows of outrageous misfortune. Um, and when you're physically fit and you sleep better as a result and you breathe better as a result and you feel better in yourself because you've had a really bad day, but you actually don't get short of breath when you walk up to the car park and get in the car because you've just walked 200 meters uphill and suddenly you're puffed. Um, it is very possible in medicine to have a remarkably sedentary lifestyle. Uh, there are very, very few areas of medicine where you're actually physically active. Mm-hmm. Although, uh, <laughs> when I was an intern, we did a 10,000-step uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. And the last intern, the last intern got their 10,000 steps by about 9 or 10 in the morning. Like, just <laughs> anyone who's ever done a ward job knows yeah. you are running. Yep. You are basically running. You're going through running shoes, yeah. running around, chasing your registrar, yeah. keeping up with everything. You're writing so fast that it's almost an aerobic activity in itself. <laughs> so I don't know that this advice is necessarily targeted at residents yeah. because I know you guys are flat out. Like, I know you're flat out. I see it. I see the sweat heading down the back in an air-conditioned office space, and you don't have time to wait for the lift, so you take the stairs. Like, that I get. But once you're into your registrar time, Mm -hmm. and especially in consultancy, it is very, very possible to get very out of shape, Mm -hmm. um, and it sneaks up on you. So that's my, my... Advice is have that thing that you do, mm-hmm. but also again, nutrition and physical fitness. This is a this is a sport. Mm-hmm. Medicine is a sport. I would like to mention the two people in your life that do make you sane. Our cats. <laughs> <laughs> Eric didn't know that that he was a cat person until we got them. Um, <laughs> So his favourite running joke is that he's a dog person, I'm a cat person, so we compromised and we ended up with two cats. Um, <laughs> Winston and Lady Coco, who we love. But they 
I would say, I mean, apart from, you know, road trips and um, those recharging lunches or movies or whatever it is, because because I travel so much and I'm away from home so much and then with Eric's schedule, we just, like, we don't go away. We just don't get a two-week holiday overseas or anything like that. I think the longest holiday we had last year was three days away or something. It's just, it just doesn't happen for us. But, you know, if we can find, like Eric said, a random day off in the middle of the week and we drive to Noosa or Montville or Mount Tambourine or Boona or somewhere, have a nice long lazy lunch, that's kind of our thing. But at home, to keep us sane, I would say it would be our two little people because... There's something to be said for getting home, sitting down for half an hour, watching something phenomenally stupid on YouTube, which is basically anything on YouTube, mm-hmm. crawling into bed and immediately having a cat jump on your chest. And, well, and demanding snuggles. And, and, demand, and demanding a snuggle. There is there is something that just says, hey, life goes on outside of medicine. Yeah. The, the, yeah, I know you've had a bad day, but my ear itches and you need to scratch oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pat my belly. Pat my belly right now. <laughs> and I guess, like, you know, for us, Sometimes it's worth, you know, we'll be lying in bed in the morning just lazily waking up and having a sleep and someone will come like Lady Coco and walk on Eric's chest and get about an inch from his nose and just be like, ow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny just, you know, you sit there and you laugh and you pat and then Winston will jump up and get insanely jealous that Lady Coco's getting all the attention and, you know, then this fight ensues but they're running around the bedroom but running around the bedroom also encompasses running over the two of us on bed. So it's just, it's nice because you, as you said, you kind of go, hang on, there is a life outside of work and I have to remember that as well. But sometimes, you know, we just, we waste five, ten minutes just, watching the cats be cats and be intrigued like why are you staring at this blank space of oh right there's a ray of sunbeam on there okay like and it's just it's really just that's like my bring back down to earth moment it is for you too a little bit just watching the cats be cats and be fascinated by their world when i'm on the road facetime facetime is awesome i am a massive android fan but an owner of an apple purely for the facetime feature um yeah, particularly eight, eight months of the year we don't see we each other. We don't see each other, so it is a we find the time. And that it's you know sometimes that's midnight for me. Sometimes that's really early for Eric, depending on what I you know my schedule as well. But it's nice. It doesn't even have to be a like a half hour, forty five minute conversation. Sometimes it's just a hi. Wanted to see your face. How are you going? Did you have a good day? Yeah, you. What about you know? And sometimes four minutes later we're off i try to get eric when he's like if i'm on the road i try to get eric when he's at home because i'll be like show me the cats um, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, it's also nice to just kind of sit there and go okay i am in clon curry on a mine site with red dirt everywhere it's 51 degrees it's just horrendous and then it's nice singing home you know, yeah. you get Eric and he's at home and he's just doing something as silly as cooking dinner or feeding the cats or watching YouTube. And I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, I look so good. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's my sanity because then for me anyway, even though I know that when I come home, he's going to be at work, I'm like, I am coming home to that. Like I have got four more days and then I'm coming home to Eric and my cats and my bed and just normalcy. FaceTime's kind of my sanity anyway. It's my sanity as well. Yeah. It comes right back to, again, that communication, that connection that is just so 
vital in any in any relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's it. For us, that's it. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Eric and Leah. Um, you guys are a wealth of wisdom, and thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing it with us. No, thank you. Thanks for having us. If you really like that episode, please don't forget to leave a review on iTunes to help a sister out. And don't forget to subscribe to our email list so that you never miss an episode.